0: everyone, this is uh, Justin Brunken again uh, with the Industrial Solutions Network here. We're here again at Ray Odom in Little Rock. And if you've been uh, walking around uh, Ray Odom or if you've listened to any of our uh, latest podcasts, you keep hearing the word, or the two words, AIM services. And what that is, we've talked about different pieces of modernization assessment, the safety assessment, dabbled a bit in the network assessment. We got the guy who started it all uh Carl Williams is how what's the politically correct way to describe a New
1: Zealander you can call him a kiwi
0: <laughs> is that right i, I didn't want to say it i didn't want to say it um, so we got uh the kiwi himself uh Carl Williams uh he's been uh with us a while he helped um really direct our energy solutions stuff uh throughout the whole industrial solutions network and then took on uh, trying to figure out our major services, the, uh, the group of services that can really help get our customers to where they want to be, a uh, whole plant-wide sort of services. And uh, we decided to call it AIM Services.
1: What's the deal with that? Well, AIM Services, it, it stands for uh, four different letters. It's an acronym. So we're uh, Assess, Improve, Mitigate, and Modernize. It's all about the customer and what we can help them with their transition. Uh, Talking about from current state, to future state, and different folks have got different uh, plans, and different companies have got different organisations to do it, and we're there to help and plug in with them as best, best we can.
0: So, what is all incorporated into uh, AIM Services?
1: Well, we're right at the genesis of AIM Services, but as an organisation, we need to be uh, we need to be important to our customers, and we need to help our customers in terms of what their plans are, and every customer is going to have a different plan. Uh, so. The service offering as it sits today is, is, is everything we do as services today, all of the Rockwell services that we perform and a number of the other ones we do in select markets, but uh, part of the goal is to take some of the really cool stuff we do for customers and make it available to all our profit centers and all our customers so when they come up with a problem, we've got a solution.
0: We're a distributor. We're supposed to be selling products, Carl. What are we doing doing all these services for our customers?
1: Yeah, well, I went to school a few years ago, and uh, as I went to (laughs) school a few years ago, they they spoke about how they were going to send some words down the telephone lines and and maybe turn up on a computer screen and... that was going to be revolutionary, and as it is, you sat back and you said, "Well, maybe that wasn't so revolutionary after all." Now we're on the internet every day. Uh, services is a big part of what we are. We want to be way more than just a cobble box that you open, and certainly a big part of everyone's business in terms of what their problems are. People got more problems than product problems. They've got they've got solutions they need, and some stuff they they don't even know is there that we uh, we can help them with, and. Uh, and they've all got a transition. Everyone's got a transition. If we're in the same place in, in 12 months' time that we are today, our business hasn't moved forward. We've got to be part of helping them grow.
0: So the, part of AIM Services, uh, the motto I see on this uh, modernization assessment brochure says get to where you want to be. Where the heck do customers need to be? Where do they want to be?
1: Well, most uh, most organizations, we've had it drilled into us from a number of different angles. We need a plan, right? And so that plan, is is from point A to point B, and you can take five steps, 25 steps, 200 steps, and so different parts of the organization have got different goals. We want to be more productive. We want to use our our resources as best we can. We want to cut costs as much as we can. That just doesn't happen, and every one of our customers knows that, so they build organizations and they build programs to do that. Uh, from Moving from the A to B and however many steps it needs, uh, sometimes that takes a little bit of a a looking at where are we today and... uh, once we've got where are we today, we can we can move forward and build a plan to build a bridge to where we want to be. It's a, it's a future-looking program, and every business has got its own particular uh, applications, and we want to be part of helping those customers do that.
0: I've been talking to a few people, and um, one of the realizations is a lot of this stuff with services and uh, where to get uh, to the future and, and doing these assessments takes a somewhat of a leap of faith, right? You have, it, it's for the bold. Why would a customer want to go ahead and do this and take that leap?
1: Well, just some of the changes that happen in the world. I mean, we don't all wake up in the morning and want to change. So I'll give you an example. Amazon Alexa or Google Home. There have been millions and millions and millions of those items sold in the US to date. Now we're plugging in all sorts of components into that, into our home network. At the uh, at our business opportunity, at our businesses, or in the manufacturing. We also need to be plugged into the network. The same thing is happening at work in terms of technology that's available at home. How f- Have we transitioned as fast at work as we have at home? And probably the answer is no. And so why is that? Well, uh, we've all got different priorities at the moment and planning out where we want to be. Uh, there's no doubt about it that the, the number of internet devices or IoT devices is just going to keep increasing. And, that's going to drive us to change in how we manage things.
0: AIM Services is now. We're, we're doing things now to uh, create, let's say, we have a modernization assessment. There's a network assessment. We're working on more. What is the future? of AIM Services. What's the goals? Your goals. Do Kiwis have goals?
1: Kiwis can have goals. (laughs) (laughs) My my goal is real simple. My goal is my customer's goal. What do do they want to do and how do they want to transition? How do they want to build what they have to where they want to be? And we have customers today that that are coming to us with this new capability of, of, of asking, can you do this? Can you do this? They've got a need for it to be done. And they're not exactly sure how to get it done. Uh, not all the times are, are we, but you know, saying yes to our uh, our customers and helping them out, uh, that's only going to be uh, make us more valuable to the customer and make the customer appropriate their resources to what they want to do best. Uh, Aim 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 Services has got a, a lot of different options to, to go where we go forward, but the best way we can go forward is listen to the customer and drive our customer services. Uh, to help that customer grow, be more productive, and make more money.
0: What's the next step for a customer? They're in, they're convinced, what do they do?
1: So any customer that wants to engage AIM services is, is what you, what's your goal? And so setting out, like, where do you want to be? And sitting down with us and we can work, help work out a scope of the yeah. different things that they need to have done. Uh, as, as it is, we've got a number of services. Next year we'll have a lot more. And give us a call. Let us know what we can do to help, and uh, let's work out the scope. And we're in a new stage of our development, and with this is going to be pretty exciting. And we're looking forward to helping a lot of our customers make more money.
0: Awesome, Carl. Really appreciate it. Again, uh, this is Aim Services. It's a, a very specific group. Uh, of guides that we have under the Industrial Solutions Network that are helping with uh, uh, bigger services, not just uh, everyday like, hey, you get your stuff uh, at this time, sort of services, big modernization, making your huge steps into your facility and how you go into the future, AIM services, and uh, we work with all the different DBAs around the country, like we're here in Ray Odom at the Keith Lee Patterson, which is under the Industrial Solutions Network that also is uh, with
1: AIM services, correct? Exactly. And so we have the, we're we looking forward to sort of making a lot of these things available for all of our locations. And we've got some pretty cool services. We're helping our customers out in ways that I didn't even know we, how good we were. So now uh, we can take that up, pick it up and transfer it. Oh, we're getting pretty good at transportation of some of these services and learning how to basically redeploy in new territories. Uh, it should just do nothing but benefit our customers.
0: Awesome. Well, we'll have a couple people on after this uh, talking safety assessments. Uh, They'll get in the nitty-gritty of why that matters and awesome. So it's one piece of everything that AIM Services does. Thanks again, Carl.
1: Yeah, thanks, Justin.
0: This is day two of Rayodome, and I'm surviving. It's barely. been long, <laughs> barely. Uh, a lot of coffee. I'm only on my second cup. Is this mine? Yeah, that one's yours. Oh my gosh, second cup. I need at least six today. Um, <laughs> it's it's all good stuff. That's why it's somewhat exhausting. There's like a, amazing turnout. We've had one of the best turnouts. Um, uh, Rayotom can have. Yeah. Uh, all these different Encompass partners and booths are saying that uh, they're getting more traction than they've seen at any of these Rayotoms and, and stuff. And so this has been absolutely incredible, um, but we have to get started. This is what we do. We work. We battle through. <laughs> that's what we're here being for. Being tired, right. uh, the five hours of sleep. We <laughs> battle through with coffee and croissants. And we and, have another
2: one in nine months. Yeah, oh, that's <laughs> right in Kansas City. Yes, we have yep. yep. everyone City in nine out months. there
0: that's listening to it. So in nine months, April, right? April. April, April, April in April, Kansas 2019. City, 2019. Although I heard June last night. I know we didn't know which one it is. So, so how about you just like you know stay a customer of ours, and we'll tell you when that <laughs> right, is. Right, We'll exactly. let you know when it's coming up next <laughs> out. in 2019. So this morning, like we said, we're battling through we're gonna talk about safety and we have two Awesome people on to talk about this Um, We have Austin and Mandy. How are you guys doing this morning? Fantastic
3: excited to be on this show
0: great So let's say uh, let's talk a little about a little bit about you both. So Austin. What's your what's your life story?
3: What's my life story? Born and raised in Lincoln, Nebraska, started with CED about five years ago, Uh, currently working for our uh, new company, AIM, uh, and I am in charge of any and all the services in Nebraska, so that is a very, very short life story for you. Mandy, you're up.
2: Life story, I am from about 30 miles north of Kansas City, but I just say Kansas City because nobody knows where Plattsburgh
4: is, <laughs>
2: <laughs> and I am a mother of Where's two Kansas children. City? I know. Just yeah. just kidding. Right. And that's the Missouri side, by the way, oh. not the Kansas side. <laughs> yeah, yes. I hear that a yes. lot. Yeah. yeah.
0: Interesting. Uh, Sorry for two. all those Kansans out there. Uh, I know. Mandy doesn't mean it. She well, does.
2: she does. Uh, yeah, she you know. it. <laughs> <laughs> I am a tiger fan. I am not a Jayhawk fan. Oh, nice. <laughs> uh, I have been with Ced now three years. Now I'm getting ready to take on a new role. Not for sure what that looks like, so I'm a little excited. <laughs> well,
0: that's that's awesome. Thanks so much for being on here. So we're talking safety right now. Everyone's here, like looking at all the new things out here. Mm-hmm. What's what's cool to make my product like production awesome. Here's some really cool fast conveyor belts. But the most important thing is the people in your plant and safety, right? Oh, absolutely. Let me set some my thoughts, do you agree?
3: Oh, I'd 100% agree. I mean, if you can't keep your people safe in your plant, you're not gonna be around long.
2: Exactly, right.
0: Yeah, um, people matter, and uh, the good customers, they get that a mm-hmm. lot. They understand that you know you have to make your people uh, comfortable, uh, feel like you care about them, and that they're going to be there for the long haul, and uh, safety is a big part of that. So there's a lot of things that we're trying to do here with safety. One of them is, first and
3: foremost, is how do you even know what to do with safety? Right. There's, and like you said, there's a lot of really cool products out on this floor right now uh, that you can use in your safety systems on your uh, plant or your facility. but. You got to start a square run, you got to kind of understand how does that even fit into my machine and is it even the right application, because it may be cool, but based off the standards that you're using, it may not be the right fit.
2: And I think a lot of times nowadays, a lot of companies you know, produce more, faster, quicker, get the product out the door, and how do you do that efficiently while keeping your people safe? That's
0: a good point, so when they're adding all this automation and in, in bigger stuff, like is the safety more important? Do they need more safety the the more they advance and modernize, or oh. is it less safety equipment?
3: I would say it's more. I mean, just look at the general direction any of our controllers are going anymore. You know, five, ten years from now, probably every controller is going to be a safety controller. That's mm-hmm. going to be a thing of the past. I mean, it's really going to be at this point moving forward safety is going to be integrated in everything you do whether it's a controller whether it's motion servo I mean you name it it's going to be there
2: I don't know about you Austin but looking in panels and cabinets at customers you're seeing more and more red you're seeing more and more guard logics you're seeing more safety relays you're seeing uh, less of just the old standards
0: explain to someone like me that is a dummy what a safety (laughs) component is what makes it safe
3: Uh, reliability uh, redundancy It's built in, you know, maybe the safety circuitry is gonna be built in so that it's uh, redundant for you. So if one one line fails, uh, it's not going to uh, catastrophically fail or if it does catastrophically fail, it's gonna fail in a safe state, whatever that may be.
2: Mm -hmm. You know, you were talking about is more safety or less safety where we just had a customer who uh, just went through a safety assessment because of the fact that they had almost too much safety Huh. Uh, they had so mm. many e-stops that they didn't know what e-stop stopped what. Mm. So it was to where, hey, this is unsafe because they had hard guarding, and then they had e-stops, and they had all these different components, and they didn't know what what actually stopped what.
0: That is so interesting. Mm-hmm. So you like, something goes wrong, and you have this... Guy or gal just running around the plant hitting all these different e-stops to make sure it stops?
2: Right. Yeah. yeah. And yeah.
3: then think about if you have to reset that, you have no idea which one's hit.
2: Right. And so you're going, you know, all the way down. This was a, a palletizer, you know, yeah. and a shrink wrap. And the one in the middle controlled one that was clear on the right, three, three shrink wraps down, you know. So, you know, being able to identify your safety is key.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. Um, So we kind of got into this. So, you know, for both of you, if you had, you know, we're trying to answer first before we get to the assessment the why. Why safety? Um, If you had to talk to a customer today, what would you say, like, this is why we need to get in there and do an assessment? um, The main thing that you would tell a customer?
3: Uh, I think I said this before, but at least for me, the main thing that I like to hit on is, It's the trust that you have with your employees. So if they understand that this you're going out of your way to make sure that this system is safe for them, no matter what process it is, I think that does a lot for employee retention and happiness and being able to work a lot harder for you, or more diligently, however that looks. For me, that's that's the main thing that I hit on, um, to start with at least, because there's always there's always the money factor of this, because with safety nowadays, it's no longer, this is gonna impede my production, like the stops or the hard guarding or things of that nature. You can build in systems that are safe and also be more productive in the process.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I- I agree. And you know, like I, I stated earlier, you know, with produce more, produce more, produce more, faster, hard you know, that type of environment that, you know, less people, more production, but keeping those employees safe while they're getting that product out the door is key.
0: Yeah, it's um I hear this a lot. It's like, oh um, you know, they're only doing a safety program because OSHA came in here and something happened. Mm-hmm. You know, like why how do you get them to take that leap before something bad happens,
3: it's a. Uh, is it's that a, changing? It's it's a, it's a culture thing. <laughs> it, it really comes down to a culture thing. So maybe uh, maybe that stems from we had an OSHA recordable. Oh shoot! So now we've got to uh, look at you know maybe we need to improve our culture and in, in the facility. So it, it's much easier to do that. Uh, when maybe there's been a wake-up call for everyone, and they realize that, uh, hey, maybe we need to start looking at safety as not something that's on the back end when we're designing a machine or bringing something in. It's one of the foremost things that we are planning for.
2: I don't know about you, Austin, but I am seeing more and more of just it being in the forefront of companies now. Um, Before OSHA even, I mean, a lot of our customers haven't had OSHA, but dealings... But it's becoming more, I think the more we talk about it, you know, at events like this and bring up safety, the more it's getting in our customers' minds and heads and they're realizing on their own, hey, we need to do this. But it's finding that key person in each hmm. company that you're going to that really understands that. And once you find that person, you know, they get that safety.
0: So how many, how many customers do you uh, work with that have like a position just about safety? in the plant
3: anymore i would say most of them i mean most of them have some form of uh employee health and safety or something along those lines Mm -hmm. where safety is part of their title now
0: and they're working uh very specifically with the plant floor and how all the machinery is working and everything Mm -hmm. yep that's awesome that's their entire job right next steps you're a customer right here you're like you made the decision like i need to figure out my safety Mm -hmm. what's the journey where does it start that's a great question because that's what everyone asks.
3: No one, you know, Good. how do how do you how do you start? Like, no, it's it's a great question. Like, okay, so I know I need to change. Where do I even start? Because there's a million and one different standards out there, and depending on if you want ANSI for the American or ISO for European, you got to decide. And so there's even to the start, it's what standard do I need to go with? So determining what standard you want uh, is, is your first step and how you're going to follow that but based once you have that uh, that's where we can come in and help with uh, what we call you know our safety assessment Mm -hmm. Um, two different flavors of that we've got the regular safety assessment and the team based risk assessment which I'm a big fan of the team based risk assessment because what that does is as we're going through this risk assessment process we're pulling in everybody from maintenance operations engineering uh, you know the safety manager everyone because we want to hear everybody's thoughts on this as we're designing this machine or helping it become more safe you know we don't want the maintenance guy going well there's no way that I can get to that and begin to, you know, do my maintenance procedures with the operation guy and that's going to impede me because I normally do this. So having everyone at a round table uh, when you're doing a safety assessment, I don't think is like optional anymore. I think you have to have that.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So why even have the regular safety assessment? And why can't you call it something really cool and not just regular assessment? <laughs> I bet you'd sell more if it was called like regular awesome plus Regular awesome, awesome plus. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I like agree.
3: that. Um, so the regular the regular safety assessment, part of the team base, what we do uh, going throughout that is we're training you as well. So we're sitting down with you, the engineer, and he's saying here's what I'm doing, here's why I'm doing it uh, so you can replicate this. So what we see a lot is we will have the engineer do one of these machines and maybe the customer has 20 of them throughout their facility. So hey, Come in, show me what you did on your first one, show me your processes, and then I'm not going to be an expert by the time I'm done with that, but I'm going to have a pretty good idea of what you did, how you did it in a template to go do it on the other 20. Mm-hmm.
2: One of the ones that we were able, it was just the basic risk assessment that we did for one of our customers, mm-hmm. um, was they had a bow-type HOSTA machine that they wanted to be able to make it more efficient, um, be able, because... Currently, at the current state, they have to shut the entire machine down if they have a anything that they need to fix, and then they do a lot of waste from that. So basically, it was this one machine, and could they be able to change this and make their line more effective, you know? And we were able to go in there and give them a solution to do that. Um now they're getting ready to implement everything and go through that so that was very valuable and we got lucky that it wasn't a team-based assessment but he did take the time to talk to everybody you know and that operator so
0: that's a good point i mean that should be almost standard like everyone has to be in the know about uh, what's going on with safety or you have again you have that that uh, situation where the, this one person just running around hitting all these e-stops. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> because exactly. no one knows what the e stop Exactly. <laughs> if
3: maintenance isn't there, they don't know what they're trying to do for
0: it. I mm-hmm. didn't know that existed. That's uh, that's amazing. Uh, <clears throat> so let's get into the details of what each of these steps are with an assessment. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I hate details sometimes, but I think yeah. it'd be interesting to, like, hey, this is what you exactly do, and maybe some deliverables.
2: The, the key to a safety assessment is starting From the very beginning getting either video or pictures of this machine that our customer is wanting and understanding that customer's goal Um, if you don't understand that customer's goal up front then it really doesn't do much on the back end so i think the first step is really sitting down and having that deep dive with people Um, whether it's the operator, the engineering, the mechanics, and understanding what their goal is. And from there, being able to start the process.
3: Yeah, you want to make sure everyone's in the same boat, rowing the same way. Right, exactly. Um, boats aren't allowed in plants. Well, I, don't think, I think that's a safety hazard. That might I'm sorry, be a safety Austin. hazard. You should know yeah. that. I don't I know. know. There's that. tracker
2: boats. Somebody has to make that boat. Somebody's
3: got to make the boat. Touché. Somebody's got to make the boat. Touche, Mandy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so exactly. So once you have an understanding of why they're trying to change this mm-hmm. machine um, and what the machine is doing, you, you can begin. And so what we want to do is we want to start with each task of the machine, right? So what is this? Whether it's a maintenance task, you're getting in there and you're cleaning it, whether it's an operation task, feeding it material, things of that that nature, or anything with uh, operations engineering. So what's every single task that's in that machine, and then what's the hazards associated with it? So you know, if I am going in and I'm feeding material into one side and it's coming out the other end, um, the hazard maybe of feeding that material in is a pinch point for me. Okay, so what's that pinch point? What's the severity of it, right? Is it going to uh, give me a bruise, and it's just plant aid on the plant floor? Probably not that terrible. Or is it gonna catch my hand, tug me in with it? So, you know, you want to figure out what the severity of each of those combos are for the hazard that's paired with the task. Once you have that, you can begin to build out a little bit of a list of the entire machine, and that's where, like Mandy was saying, it becomes important to understand how that machine operates so we can have that entire complete list Mm -hmm. from everybody, maintenance operations, everyone. So once that's complete, uh, we can go back through and begin to look at how do we remediate each one of these that is over what our threshold is, right? And so, depending on the standard that you choose, there's a certain acceptable threshold, right? So you're never going to get rid of all of the uh, risk in a machine, unfortunately. There's always the human factor. So it's really defining what is that acceptable threshold of risk that I'm willing to take on um, Mm -hmm. as a facility. So how do we get you down to that acceptable level or get you as close as humanly possible?
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, you know, people like me, humans are just, uh, they're always going to do things. doesn't matter how smart they are. You have right. to design for the lowest common denominator mm-hmm. as well. Right. Yep. doesn't matter how smart you are. You, you have off days. You didn't have your eighth cup of coffee right. like I do. Right, and, and things right. happen. Um, it's interesting.
2: I think the customer also needs to understand that. So we go in there for a safety assessment, right? And they're, of the time they're going after one goal with that safety assessment. They need to realize though, with a safety assessment, that you're checking out maybe the front of the machine, but they're gonna check out the whole machine. Mm. So then you've accepted that, that we may find other issues and that you're going to have to go ahead and mitigate at that point. And I think, you know, being upfront and honest with our customers and letting them know that, you know, I know that you're worried about this part of the machine, but we're looking at the machine as a whole, you know, and not just part of it. And so we're going to mitigate that entire risk on that, and you're going to be liable to change that, Hmm. you know, and and being upfront with the customer and letting them know that.
0: Yeah. Do you guys, when you deliver, you do the assessment, right, and... Do you give them basically like a, a design that you've created based on the info, or do you just give them the info where they can do the design themselves and give them the info to take
3: action? Yeah, that's a good question. So what, is, what does the actual deliverable look like, yeah. right? Um, yeah, that's a nice yeah. concise way to put it. Like I said, lay off of this? me. I've been
0: on, no, that's good only on my second cup.
3: <laughs> um, so no, what, what, what the output is for your safety assessment is you get this very comprehensive report. And if you allow us, we'll take pictures and videos and include it in that report. Um, and we will give you some suggestions on how to get that uh, risk level down to the acceptable uh, threshold like we were talking about. Um, based off of that, what we call our safety life cycle, the next step is to go build like out a safety functional requirement spec. So okay, so I know these are all my issues and I know I need maybe an e-stop here, right? Just keeping with the trend. I know I need an e-stop here. Uh, Okay, that's great, but what does that e-stop look like, and what is the Mm -hmm. safety circuitry within it, and how does that work? So, the safety functional requirement spec is then defining that. So, that's a separate piece after the safety Mm -hmm. assessment. So, the safety assessment is going to give you task hazard pairs and a suggestion on how to get that down to an Mm -hmm. acceptable level Mm -hmm. of risk. But then going off of that next step. The key part
2: is, is the, the SFRS. Is the
3: SFRS, right, that safety functional requirements spec. Okay, good. I was just going to ask you what that is. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah. so that safety functional requirements spec is where you sit down, and that's something we obviously offer as well. We sit down with you and we say, okay, so maybe that's pneumatic, maybe that's water-based hydraulics, whatever it's going to be, but let's figure out uh, what product that is, and maybe it's ours, maybe it's not. That's not what we're concerned about. We're just concerned about helping you at that point. So let's get you set up to the point where you're going to be at that acceptable level of risk, and then after that you can go do the uh, installation and validation after that I
2: think I think a key thing is as as we all know we're a team right and it's sitting down with your IC and safety person as well you know Austin and I may go in and talk to our customers and then the follow-up is sitting down with our IC specialist and going okay we've got this report now let's dive into it and let's give them so that we take it out of their hands in in a sense and we're ready to here you go this you can do this or you can do this but this is how you're gonna do it and for instance on one of ours they could either insert a uh, guard logics program or they could put in safety relays they had two options so it's allowing them to choose then but you know you lay out the bill of material and there you go
3: Absolutely, I think that's a really good point that you made there. That's like the power of uh, our team. Yes. I think that's a, that's a huge power of our team because we can come in and you and I can focus on the safety assessment piece, but then when we're finished with that, like you said, mm-hmm. that's the power of it. We have a group of eight or nine people behind us who right. all are specialists in this as well that we can tie in for the customer and provide multiple options. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's hard to beat.
2: Right, I agree because I feel like then our customers, it builds that trust with us and our customers that you know we're not out there just to make money. We really genuinely care about their safety and being able to bring that all together really enhances it
0: Mandy that was amazing i just wrote that down as a note and because we are local right? right and we are part of the community like we aren't this dc distribution center that people are driving around just trying to sell safety stuff right. we are in parts of the community in norfolk nebraska yes. and mount home arkansas and we know the people in these plants we we hang out with them, mm-hmm. and if, if uh, there's safety issues and anything goes wrong, um, we generally... They're our friends and we care about them, right, so like right. we want them to be safe right. just as much as like the employer. And so that's a, that's a really cool comment. And we build and relationships
2: true. with our customers. I mean, we go to Royals games because I'm in Kansas City. We do things with our customers. It's not just going in there for a 30-minute conversation. It's going out to lunches. It's going to Royals games. It's doing other... And you become part of your customers, and it's, it's very essential that we have that relationship with our customers so that they see value.
3: Yeah, I, that was incredible.
2: <laughs> that was that
0: was
3: a great description.
0: That was awesome, and yeah, that's a great point. And it, that kind of puts a full circle with safety. I mean, it really hits home a lot of times that. You know, we're not just here like talking randomly about products and like, oh, you know, we have Rockwell and all these other people pushing these products. Mm-hmm. Like, no, we just want you guys to be safe. If we don't have to sell that much stuff, we just have to organize and label e stops on where they go to. Maybe that's all we need to do. So, right. like, right. Uh, mm-hmm. So people don't lose an arm or do anything right. like that. So and they it's go back so to their children. Because, yes. I mean, exactly. we know their
2: children or we, we hear stories about them and you know, we genuinely do care.
0: Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Um, we're going to end it there because that's deep. And uh, <laughs> that's I really. Stopping spot. Yeah.
2: Leave it to a mom to take it deep. <laughs> I,
0: love it. Um, well, that was awesome. Um, See, so you guys killed it on oh, a wait. morning where we're struggling. And I've only had one we cup had of coffee. <laughs> Well, I can't imagine you having the two or three. that You're going to be, like, uh. jumping around, selling everything, I talking to, to customers. Mi-
2: I have to drive six hours home. I want to get there with <laughs> uh, 15 stops. <laughs> that's a good point.
0: Is oh, yeah, that six hours to KC uh, yeah, from it. Little Rock? <clears throat> so so we're in Ray Odom in Little yep. Rock. Again, thank you so much. We're going to do more podcasts. I'm actually going to get a vendor on here uh, later nice. to kind of segue into safety by design. Great. Uh, now, what, now what customers can actually do with these safety assessments exactly. and this emotional torture that Mandy gave us of why it <laughs> matters. <laughs> really appreciate it. Um, thank you, Justin. This, again, is Justin Brunken with the Industrial Solutions Network podcast called Connect Together with Austin Schnell and Mandy Lewis from uh, Nebraska and our Kansas City locations. Thank you so much. Enjoy the rest of the day.
3: Always a pleasure. Love being on this. Thank you.
0: And travel home safe, Mandy. Appreciate that. You too. thanks. Thanks. Welcome back. This is Justin Brunken with the Connect Together podcast at Rayotum and Little Rock. We are at the end of day two. You're going to hear some construction in the background. We are barely surviving. But I have a man next to me who doesn't quit. He still is passionate, even after day two. He's He wants to talk. We got him on this podcast uh, to continue our conversation with safety. Um, I can tell he's passionate about this. Uh, it is Larry Altmeyer with Little Fuse. Welcome, and thanks for joining me at this very end, well, end of a very long two days.
4: I'm ready to start day three. Let's go. <laughs> I'm here. I'm here.
0: I can tell in your voice that you, are like, <laughs> I need the day three. I need day three, absolutely. <laughs> More. We all, we all just need a rest after this. <laughs> but, <clears throat> you know, speaking of being a little tired, I mean, this is a... This goes along with the safety and where safety uh, issues can happen, but really, I brought you on after talking to you, um, at LittleFuse, they say safety by design. I really like that, and a lot of stuff of what LittleFuse does and their innovation with ArcFlash relays goes into that, and you have a ton of experience with ArcFlash. Yes, we do. And you individually said you've done 400 ArcFlash studies. This guy knows what he's doing.
4: Yes, that's true. We did 400 arc flash studies here at Little Fuse for our customers all across the country. Um, we are safety by design. We do more than arc flash relays. We do current limiting fuses. We do ground fault protection. We do high resistance grounding. All of those will eliminate probability of arc flashes or literally mitigate the hazards away to almost zero. So it depends on the product and the mitigation solution. Um, so today, I think what I wanted to talk about is safety first, a philosophy that is the beginning but not necessarily the end. So safety first should really be safety first last and forever because it's an ongoing living process that's constantly changing not just because of codes because product technology changes our business processes change the designs of our factories change and so we have to change our processes around that to accommodate the best business solution that provides safety to our workers but safety to the facility as well
0: that's a a really good point i really like that so you Said not just safety first but last and forever and I like that because I wrote down on my notes and uh, to think about what did safety mean let's say 30 years ago right yeah yeah. because exactly. that is way different than what safety means today and so if you only did it once back 30 years ago or even every decade that is not sufficient right
4: that's correct absolutely I mean um we're starting, you know, in worldwide communications, we're starting to learn the do's and don'ts of everything in life. And we're seeing what works and what doesn't work. And uh, uh, we're communicating better amongst ourselves and we're learning that sometimes people are injured needlessly. And, uh, and there's a lot more liability in today's world. Everybody's eccentric about lawsuits. And uh, in this country, OSHA has to make a decision. They have to decide, do I defend the worker or do I fend- defend the company? And so are we doing what we need to do to provide for our workers? And it, it requires a new culture, you know, for sure.
0: So we'll, we'll get into the culture uh, a little bit here in the future, so how to maintain safety, right? You said it's first, last, and forever. Um, it has to start somewhere, but if it's already started, how do you maintain either that culture or be able to stay up to date with the safety?
4: Well, you need, it starts from the top down, and, and management has to push it, but they have to have a plan for safety. And so, you know, one of the things that I thought would be important is to sort of give you a an example of a very simple change that's being processed, you know, for the last decade. Just doing an arc flash study is a very simple task. You know, you're going to do some simple engineering studies. You're going to update your one-line in the process so that you can enable that. And you're going to calculate thermal energy, you know, at a piece of equipment, every piece of equipment that, that needs to have that. And we put labels on our equipment then and we go by the PPE and we train our workers to maybe do some new work procedures and we train them uh, you know, to wear that PPE because they know where the hazardous locations are. That's really simple. It's not. It's very complicated. <laughs> no, because if
0: it, wa- if it wasn't, everyone would already have it. No OSHA. OSHA wouldn't even well, have to be around yeah, here.
4: Exactly. Well, a lot of companies didn't do it for a long time because they sort of boxed themselves into a corner. They didn't maintain their facilities, one-line diagrams, and the integrity of the electrical distribution s- system because it's so dynamic. They're moving manufacturing processes around and equipment. They're doing updates and upgrades. And they don't know where to start and so they go and get a quote and they're blindsided by a five or a six digit number to really update the one line drawing and all the studies required to get to you know an understanding of what is the incident energy level or thermal energy at a given piece of equipment and so they can't get it processed through their budgets and capitalized as a one-time event. It takes years. It depends on the economy. It depends on the business model at hand. It depends on the co- safety culture that was already there. It depends on who's championing that cause at that particular company or business. So there's a lot of things that might have slowed the process down, but it's happening now. It's very real. It's an everyday occurrence, but you're not done when, after you're done with that study. You have to rethink how do I apply that knowledge to my business and to, and to my workers on the sales, I mean, on the, uh, on the manufacturing floor. And so let's just talk about once I know what the hazards are and I got the labels on the piece of equipment, who is actually qualified to go in there now? Because now there's hazards that I've never known about. Everybody knew electricity was hazardous but now I know that this one's deadly. Now I know this is dangerous and I, I'm being forced to de-energize it, et cetera, et cetera. So who who exactly does the work now? Some companies have said, now the maintenance people are no longer qualified. I, I need an electrician. Or sometimes they need more specialized training. Maybe I have to get the manufacturers in here to train them on their specific gear or their, their equipment. And so they're starting to create training matrices. The best-in-class companies are training creating training matrices to say some workers can do this and other workers can do that. And that's re- but then you have to maintain that training matrix. You have to say, what happens? How do I enforce training? And if they're not doing training, what do I do next? How do I keep that thing? How do I retrain these people or workers? And if I hire new workers... Do I have a training matrix involved to train them from the get-go or do I throw them to the wolves and just say go work with <laughs> go work with Paul he's going to show you what yeah, PPE Paul. to wear
0: that's Paul that doesn't that no one likes that's who they, that's who they put in front of the <laughs> yeah. uh, so no but you're right there I mean okay so so there's a lot of these people that have a lot going on on a day-to-day basis how how do you get them to want to continue to train and remember to keep having this plan and train
4: and that's the culture. That's the business culture that's at hand. We have work processes to do that. We have training matrixes. We have new work procedures. We train them on it. We quiz them on it. We enforce them, and we, maybe we incentivize them. I mean, we're tracking the, the number of days with injuries or without injuries, or, you know, et cetera, but maybe we need to have a separate program for that. The, the purpose of this conversation is not to say how each and every company must do that, they must realize that they have to do something. Something's better than nothing, and they need to create those own, their own policies and procedures internally for safety. It's part of the safety program, right? And so, let's just go a little bit deeper on that. What about the equipment that's not labeled? What do we do there? Do we question that? Do we have a different set of work procedures now for that? Is it a or do we apply the same levels of concern and safety at lower voltages and, and lower fault currents? Probably, you instill a, a global para- set of parameters for safety from the bottom up, regardless of whether equipment's labeled or not. You know, another situation might be: Okay, we're using new we're using new tools, work, uh, and new procedures and new PPE. How do we maintain our PPE? Yeah. Are we testing our PPE? Who's responsible for that?
0: This is intimidating. Are, it are seems we, like there's just are, so much.
4: There's a lot. There, who's going to budget for We have to budget for things we've never budgeted before because we're using tools that we've never used and, and, and PP and clothing like that. Um, wait a minute. One more thing. What got us into all this trouble? We didn't maintain our one-line drawings. You do an arc flash study, and you now have a solid one-line drawing. You better maintain that drawing for the next five years because when you go to do your five-year update, if you didn't maintain your drawing you got to start all over again and you got to get somebody to come in and quote you on an arc flash study and to update your one-line drawings because over five years you were moving manufacturing equipment around changing out transformers motors bringing in new equipment getting rid of the old equipment the one-line drawing might not be the same you won't know flawlessly what the energy level is at all pieces of equipment unless you redo your one line So let's start redlining our one line drawings, guys. We have to maintain a good solid one line drawing that'll keep the cost down for future arc flash studies or updates to a minimum. So that's that's one thing we sort of forget to do. When we get this study, we learn things. We just don't get labels. We learn about the deficiencies within our electrical distribution system. A lot of companies have been ignoring those things. They, they ignore the fact that maybe certain breakers are over certain equipment might be over Maybe there's wrong conductor sizes that don't, don't meet any C codes. We need to fix all those things. The arc flash label is not the end-all for safety at a piece of an electrical distribution equipment. You need to know what you need to fix because you have a different hazard now. An over breaker is something that can go boom. At the, at the, at the,
0: I feel like everything in a factory can go boom. Is that true?
4: Sometimes <laughs> I go boom, too. I fall down, I'm getting old. So, but, but the point is is that we need to, we, now we're doing a little bit more preventative maintenance, we're gonna do some corrections of deficiencies at the same time, but an arc flash study is a little bit more complicated. An arc flash study says this is how much thermal energy we have in a panel, and this is how quickly the upstream shunt will open, or, or the breaker, or the, the protective device will open. Are we doing maintenance to those protective devices? Are we doing circuit breaker maintenance? We need to start doing circuit breaker maintenance. And we need to keep our one line drawings updated. And so we're doing more and more preventative maintenance to ensure a stable electrical distribution system. And so we tend to still forget to do those things. An arc flash study could be a house of cards. We can put all the labels on our equipment we want if our breakers and fuses don't open properly. Or if we start changing trip trip unit settings on breakers without recognizing the impact of what it might be on the arc flash study or the coordination of the, our electrical distribution system. So. So there's a lot of that going on. Uh, some other things that may occur is that maybe our work procedures will change too. Are we gonna do electrical troubleshooting any different than we've done in the past now that we know where the dangerous locations are? Or at least the, everything's dangerous, but where there's high hazards, where we're gonna have to wear flash suits. Oh my God, that PLC is in a Cat 3 or it's in a, it's in a control panel that I have to wear a flash suit at. How the heck am I gonna program a PLC wearing a flash suit? you, time for a design change.
0: (laughs) That's where, okay, so a lot of this stuff can be done and like figured out in some sort of assessment to really help because as a customer, um, I think you're saying a lot of good things and it just, I'd be like, oh, how can I ever do all this stuff, right?
4: Well, you'll, you'll write a safety program around that. And this is our checklist, you know? That's, that's what everybody does. But all I'm saying is don't forget there's a, a lot of things that are impacted in, in a chain reaction kind of way because of simple changes in safety. And so.
0: And I, I'm guessing too, um, for me, not ever doing a safety plan, if you have a plan and you're just maintaining it, that has to be more cost-effective than like just redoing it every like five, ten years, right? And starting all over and like whoa, now it now we're way behind. I got to retrain everyone, not just like you know a few uh, tiny classes here and there. Is that do you see that or?
4: Well, yeah, I, I do see that. I, I you know what? Also, I see as I see that you're preventing a million-dollar uh, calamity. Mm. You're uh, you're eliminating a multi-million-dollar lawsuit. You're you're instilling and you're instilling standards for the next generation of our workers in our factories that's this has to happen the culture is changing we just have to. We have to have some foresight and some planning to say, if we do this, what will we need to do in the future? And that's a safety culture and a safety plan. the The other thing is, take something as simple as going to Home Depot. I said I wouldn't name any companies, but <laughs> if you go to Home Depot or Lowe's, and they're going to get up on a scissors lift, they're going to shut down the aisle. We're probably going to do that in our factories. But if we open up a panel at a new construction site, or if we're or in our factories and we know there's a boundary for PPE, how are we ensuring that people won't come into the boundary? Yeah. And I have an interesting story at our own factory. We did an arc flash study at our own factory, and we had a panel right next to a drinking fountain that had a large boundary area. And so we would say nobody could come near the drinking fountain. <laughs> nobody could go up these stairs to the front office. Oh, by the way, this boundary is, is big. We have to block off the entrance door to the to the meeting room with the glass window because you know if we ever did have an accident yeah we might blow out the window you know so there was a whole bunch of repercussions to that simple little process that yeah we would yeah we'd put up we'd block off the aisle nobody can come in there but nobody could schedule the meeting room for for a business meeting either yeah <laughs> and nobody can drink any water or go up to the stairs <laughs> to the front office so it was so, something like that but it's a simple thing we have to we have to make sure that we're not breaking the rules and that we're going to follow our own guidelines and we know how to do those things i haven't even touched on the most important one it's probably the last one a lot of us are taking cost out of the arc flash study and we might not be doing arc flash mitigation right in an arc flash mitigation the first thought is to reduce the hazard there's another philosophy. What was your philosophy a second ago?
0: I, I, I put down a question: uh, mitigation or elimination?
4: Yeah, I love that. <laughs> I love that. So
0: even at the end of two days, I can yeah. have elimination of,
4: and that's that's the ideal scenario. And it comes down to business philosophy, and it comes down to can we afford that that, and that and a redesign. But if you're building a new factory, you can you can build a relatively safe a safer factory than today than than the existing legacy factories, but. But you have to do some form of mitigation so that you're not wearing the flash suits, that you have a safer work environment. If it's an easy solution, you have to find a way to do that. And in arc flash mitigation, you've opened up Pandora's box. There are a lot of solutions for that. There are
0: a lot of solutions for that. Um, I mean, you saw a lot of that from Rockwell and Pro and uh, different suppliers like you here 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 at uh, Rayotum. So, I mean, there has to be a lot of products out there to make this easier because you like Pandora's box that sounds so horrible (laughs) like there has to be solutions to make it easy right so like it's not like scary for the customer to be able to do this to create an amazing plan right
4: yeah well we all define easy differently sometimes easy is is what the worker needs to do to get in and out sometimes easy is the cost Oh, I'm going with this mitigation solution because it's it's a lower cost Um, sometimes Sometimes the customer says, I can't deal with mitigation right now. I'm I'm running 24-7, 365, I don't have time for mitigation. But sooner or later, they're gonna wanna mitigate out the higher hazards that could be catastrophic. And so mitigation needs a practical solution. It needs to be looking at should i just get a big switch and put it on the switch gear and throw it into the maintenance trip mode do i want to do zone coordination do i want to actually just isolate the hazards and work on given pieces of equipment that i actually go into on a daily basis or weekly basis and so practicality comes into play and the application comes into play so an example i might challenge a a customer that came to me and said well i need to do that at my switch gear and i said Do you go into your switchgear? Is it in a locked room? Uh, Are you worried? Is it old switchgear? Is it new switchgear? So there's a lot of questions that might go into the process because sometimes out on the street, the, the maintenance managers or the safety managers who don't really know the practicality of the solution might need to be challenged and ask some questions. But I will, will tell you that somebody that goes into that control panel every week or every day and has to put on a flash suit, that doesn't seem very practical. <laughs> and, and to do their job and to keep that manufacturing line up and running. So I would say you needed an isolated solution there. And it could be a variety of things. It could be adding a disconnect switch with a current limiting fuses. It could be add a, put an arc flash really in that given piece of equipment. So everything should be indiv- you know looked at individually for a practical solution based on feasibility. And, and, and any budgetary constraints, because I go back to the original solution before doing something's better than doing nothing. Something goes into a plan, and it eventually gets done, and it's the right thing for our business model, and it's what we can afford to do. Sometimes affordability doesn't come into play. OSHA doesn't like to hear that we can't afford to do that. Well, then you didn't, you know, you didn't protect the worker. So you have to do it's the It's still all about the people. It's all about the people, dude. It's about it's, so you have to you have to provide that 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 baseline level of, of safety and how do you build on that going forward. And so in mitigation you have to remember one thing, and a lot of companies tend to forget this until the engineering firm reminds them of this. Is that you can mitigate something you might have to do a coordination study to do that. The cost that you took out of the original arc flash study was to take mitigation out of the study and not do coordinating. And so if we're gonna change the trip unit settings or this clearing time of our devices, or if we're gonna go into some of these other other solutions, we have to re-coordinate everything. And so that's an additional, maybe one-time expense, but it has to be done. Because we don't wanna take out multiple, multiple uh, branches of our, of our system if things aren't coordinated. We don't want the lights to go out, like at the Super Bowl a few years <laughs> ago. You know?
0: well, there, well, there you have it. Um, really, you can boil this down to safety isn't just a one-time thing. You need to have a plan, and you need to be able to maintain it. And There's a lot of stuff that goes in it. It's all applicable, but I challenge every one of you customers to <clears throat> think about your safety, what it means to you, do a safety assessment, do an arc flash assessment. Here at the Industrial Solutions Network, we do both. It can be that uh, solution for you. Um, Figure out what makes the most sense for your people and your operation, create that plan, maintain it. I challenge you to think about that and do something awesome. So uh, again, I am here uh, at Ray Odom with the Industrial Solutions Network and Larry,
4: Justin, it was a pleasure talking. To you.
0: <laughs> it was an absolute pleasure talking to you, even on this long, late day, Larry. Uh, fantastic insight. Uh, someone that's done a ton of these arc flashes has seen a lot of different facilities doing this. So, uh, really appreciate this, and uh, have a good one. You too. Good night. Well, there you have it. Uh, this is Justin Bronken with the Connect Together podcast. Oh, I've never done so many interviews in the last uh, uh, 48 hours. All good stuff. Uh, everything from safety to uh, Aim Services to information to Rockwell Automation uh, Academy for uh, veterans to really help them find. Uh, jobs in this industry in the manufacturing industry and help fill those gaps there's a big gap here in uh, this industry from people retiring um, awesome stuff Ray Odom Rockwell Automation on the move our biggest uh, uh, partner Rockwell Automation plus with all the Encompass partners uh, here uh, have been absolutely amazing with the uh, amazing support one of the best Ray Odoms I've been to and um, just want to say, if you've never been to one of these, and um, the whole goal is just to really connect people together from all sides of this industry, connecting us as a distributor, the Industrial Solutions Network, and our local Arkansas locations called Keithley Patterson, our OEM partners so at Sleeve Seal, uh, building machines for our end user customers uh, like Coca Cola and PepsiCo and Tyson. Um, even these customers are here um, trying to figure out what to do to make uh, their operations more productive and more efficient and just b- and creating more of the stuff they need to create, um, as well as all these uh, manufa- manufacturing partners showing off what's new to help them uh, achieve those goals. Um, it was great. Um, I'm excited to see what's coming in the future, and We're going to do a lot more of these, and I'm excited to see what happens, and I hope you enjoyed these. Again, uh, if you do like them, please share. Tell others. Tell me if you want to get on and talk about whatever you want to talk about. I'm here. I'm nice. I hope. Uh, I'm welcoming. Uh, So anyone that wants to come on, and that includes customers out there, talk about what you guys are doing to modernize your facility. We are here for you. And uh, as always, you can uh, listen and subscribe both on SoundCloud and on iTunes. So on either, you can search for the Industrial Solutions Network Connect Together podcast. And it should come up. Uh, until next time, I'm going to take some breaks. Uh, at least a week break. <laughs> Before we get back to these, we'll see. And, uh, Uh, We'll we'll be right back to you uh, very soon. Thank you so much uh, for those listening, and uh, we'll talk soon.